The biggest satellite owner is now Elon Musk. He's got 3,395 satellites. Every family should have one. Yeah, yeah. Mark. Yes. How many satellites have you got? None. <laughs> Mark, good morning. Normally I ask you how you are. Ask me how I am. Yeah, I'm going to do that because you live in the Storms River of the South. Uh, Tim, how the hell are you there in the dried up career? I'm wet. I'm wet. wet. <laughs> so we're not allowed to talk about the weather, but this week, wrath of God exception. Yes. I saw a video of Chapman's Peak about five minutes ago, yeah. and I've heard that the Berg River is too dangerous, but they nevertheless going to have the marathon down Chapman's Peak this year. Oh, okay. Because there's enough water there. So <laughs> canoeing up Chapman's Peak is a whole... Listen, it's terrible, eh? There's been loss of life, loss of animals, loss of lots of money, whatever. But the Cape Province has had it too good. <laughs> I don't know. They've, had, they've got beautiful, beautiful... Maybe it's their turn for a bit of punishment. No, I mean, it is absolutely amazing. But when was it? Like five years ago? People were bathing in buckets and, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, there was close to a sort of calamity. Same thing, by the way, more recently in, in the Eastern Cape. My wife always says, there's not global warming, there's global weirding. Everything has just gone weird. It's just weird everywhere. If I was you, I'd register <laughs> that before someone copies it, okay? <laughs> anyway, for the record, my problem is that uh, I've got a little downstairs portion of our house and my wife woke me up at three o'clock in the morning and told me that it was flooding. We walked down there, it was flooding. I said the following, which is typical of the, let's deal with this later. <laughs> God, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, defer, defer, defer. Yes. I went in doubt, go back to bed. Yeah, no, it stopped and then Her approach was slightly different, shall we say? Her approach to me. <laughs> get a bucket, Tim. Yes, get yes, the yes, bloody yes. bucket. Here, I'll make coffee. Oh, God. It was, it was hard, I have to say. But as you said, Lars, as you pointed out last week, we do have weather problems. But the scale of weather problems in South Africa really just aren't comparable to some other places around the world. It's just absolutely amazing. Particularly Joburg. Eh? What, particularly Joburg is, is benign? Yeah, this is not fun. Well, Joburg's got a pretty cool weather, you know, pretty much average yeah. middle of the road temperatures, occasional cold days, but uh, we've got the best climate in the world. Let's face that. Yeah, no, no, it's just so, amazing. Sorry for the guys in the Cape. I hope it all gets tidied up. All right, let's talk about something serious. The government shutdown in the US and the government non-shutdown in South Africa. Are you a fan of Margaret Thatcher? Are you a, would you describe yourself as a, a reluctant admirer or a sort of opponent of Thatcher and Thatcherism? Well, let me say this. Some of my best friends know people <laughs> who are fans of Margaret Thatcher. Okay. So, you know, on balance, you know, you can't ask about Margaret Thatcher without bringing into focus the alternative. So given the alternative, which we've seen, I'm, I'll go with Maggie. Maggie's most famous line for me was, there is only one source of revenue for government. And that is? And that's taxes. My favorite Margaret Thatcher quote is that the problem with socialist governments is that eventually they run out of other people's money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is so true. So now tell me, you're obviously a fan of Maggie Thatcher's. It's the hairstyle, right, that got you, right? No, you know, I'm not. I'm sort of like, I think she's awful. I mean, I just thought she was an awful person. But, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, there's, there's some awful people that you still admire. Oh, oh, oh. You know what I mean? It's, uh, some people you're allowed to feel two different things about. Yeah. 
she faced down a crisis of government. And you can't take that away from her. You just can't. Yeah, yeah. And if you look at what's happening in South Africa, you, you know, involuntarily, I find myself wishing that someone in South Africa could discover they, you know, Maggie Thatcher. Um, I don't know, horrible thing to say, but anyway, that's the truth. Going back to the shutdown. Okay, so this Saturday, I think it is, if the House can't agree on the new budget allocations, government shuts down. Okay, I mean, bar some essential services like health and the medical uh, emergencies and things of that nature, and obviously the president's salary, which is constitutionally guaranteed to continue. No, okay, but government shuts down now. In South Africa, we've got a very similar situation. What we've got is that the national treasury has presented a series of cuts and austerity measures to basically save us from bankruptcy to the cabinet, and the cabinet said, nah, we're not going to accept that. We'll stay in power. You go redo the numbers. Okay, so that sort of juxtapositions the power plays. Although I have to say that the, the USA shutdown is like an annual sort of derby where eventually they agree. I think the last time they did this was in 2019, and it was like for 34 days or something. So they always resolve it. Why? Because they have to, which is what I like. There's a deadlock mechanism there, which says – the default is shut down, not your opinion, my opinion. We've got a deadline. We've got to solve this thing. We could do some deadlines here. No, exactly. Yeah, I know. We are past some deadlines here already. This is the strangest thing. that There's an interesting interplay happening between the Treasury and the rest of Cabinet. Because apparently the Cabinet, the latest development, we spoke about this last week, but the latest development is that Cabinet has decided there's three red lines. The one red line is no VAT increases. The second red line is no retrenchments. And the third red line is that they want the 7% wage increase for civil servants. So when you exclude those three things, what are you left with? What are you left with? You, you get the rule of the fourth red line, which is the first three lines are impossible. Okay, so let's redraw them. Okay, I, I don't know. I despair, man. Let's rather talk about something more amusing, like chat GPT is now morphing into a thing called OpenAI, right. which is like a chat box. So if you like sitting there on a Sunday and you need someone to talk to, <laughs> then all you do is log into chat AI. Right. And you go, how's it? How are you this morning? They go, cool. You say, I was watching the rugby. And, and then you can have this full-on discussion with a sympathetic, yeah, I think you can choose whether you want to get on with this chat or fight or whatever. We live in increasingly parallel universes. And my last comment before I invite yours is this. I now discover that in America, when you send your kids off to college, you can have a parallel parent. While your darling is at college, you can have a mum. An alternative mum costs you about $10,000 a year. And that mum will bring meals to your little precious and deliver little medicines to your precious and wait for it. Hugs. So you've got a complete stranger who's on the payroll who'll come and speak to you and go, hello, my darling, and give you a hug for a bit of cash. I'm sorry, we've lost it. And it's not funny, actually. The serious thing is that our teenage children are increasingly looking for guidance in places which are not experienced to give them that guidance. On the chat GPT thing, can I just say, I have an idea. What about getting ChatGPT to do the cleaning up of the water <laughs> at three o'clock in the morning? Can you outsource your yeah. your your? Yeah. <laughs> no, Can you outsource the the basement flood? To yeah, ChatGPT. Chat yeah, well, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah.
I don't think so. There's some things you have to do yourself. Yeah. And it says, well, you know, I'm going to give a, be giving a talk to a lot of young boys at the end of this month, and the title's going to be Do It Yourself. There is a parental problem in South Africa. I don't know whether you read the very interesting blog this week about the level of fatherless families in South Africa. The proportion is pretty high. About 40% of children in South Africa lived only with their mothers. Wow. Another 21% didn't live with either of their parents. Wow. So the question is, how stunted are you if you don't live with your father? And the answer is quite a lot. Not perhaps as much as people might think, but when they do research on the situation after wars, for example, so they researched the family situations after the Second World War and tracked some of the children, made these sort of comparisons between the two you're about 10%, your sort of outcomes in life are about 10% less if you don't have a father in your life. Wow. Yeah, no, that, that's a big percentage. I mean, talking about percentages, I, I read that in England, and this was the good old economist. There's an interesting statistic which said that 25% of males and 15% of female graduates are earning less than their peer group who didn't go to university. Now, that, I think, contains a multitude of bits of information, which is like, are university degrees still the panacea to success? I would argue no, okay? I would argue that the real shortage we have in outcomes-based education is employability. And I would argue that more of our people around the world, not just South Africa, should be artisans, should be learning how to do stuff instead of uh, studying to get a degree in something which has got a fairly limited practical application. And so those statistics are starting to emerge. If you're going to university to make money, you're not doing the right thing. That's my strong view on the matter. First of all, your, your life shouldn't be in the pursuit of money. But second of all, a university degree is not the only route to knowledge. And I would argue without being augmented with practical experience, it's pretty damn useless. And so can we get back to reality and do some real work here instead of trying to get a B degree or an M degree or some other necessary pre-qualification to do something that's, that, that's irrelevant to the fundamental academics? Anyway, so I, I see all of these new trends. Tim, you know, what's happening to the world since we got older? Eh? You know, <laughs> someone I said that once before on this podcast, the older we get, the better we were. Eh? Yes. Yeah. That is such an interesting statistic. It is extraordinary how many very rich people, some of the richest people in the world are college dropouts. It's almost like you have to drop out of college in order to make it. So Bill Gates is one, obviously. Yeah, if you want to stand a chance in Silicon Valley, yeah, you better drop out. You better drop out. <laughs> if you're going to have a chance in this world, you better start by dropping out of something. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, you can't all just chase the middle of the bell curve. Yes. Because it's crowded there, okay? There's no point in, in seeking to be in the middle of the bell curve. Anyway, have you got a, a number this week, too? Yes, I do. I've got a couple. Mark. Yes. How many satellites have you got? None. <laughs> How many satellites have I got, like me personally? None. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. I just think it's very interesting, the breakdown of satellites in the sky. So obviously we know that the biggest satellite owner is now Elon Musk. He's got 3,395 satellites. Every family should have one. Yeah, yeah. Strangely enough, Amazon's Project Caper, they've got 1,528 satellites up there, which I didn't, uh, didn't realize. How many do you think the Russians have got? They have got 137. The US government has got 306. The Chinese government 
has got 369. That's a good number. And Musk has got, what, 300 and something as well? 3,395. Musk and Jeff Bezos have got three quarters of the satellites that are flying in the sky at the moment. That is kind of weird, isn't it? It's incredible. Wow, that is kind of weird and wonderful and scary yes. because these satellites have become the source of all kinds of invasive prying and information that you shouldn't possess. And I'm getting increasingly frustrated, if not impressed, with how much my computer knows what I want to do. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll be sitting there thinking, oh, thinking to myself, maybe I should go for lunch and it'll go like, hey, isn't it lunchtime? Or say, I'm sorry, it actually knows what I'm doing that damn thing uh, enough already. Yeah. I didn't propose to my cell phone, you know, <laughs> it's enough intimacy already. Thank you. All right. What are your numbers? Well, my number, I've got a, I've got a strange number. So Macha Bang, which is previously known as Valcom, is a municipality which has now had to hand back its vehicles because it's in default of the payments for those vehicles. And guess how much it owes on the vehicles? Have a guess. I mean, how much do you owe on your car? I've bought my car a long time ago. Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> I've seen your car, and if you still owe money on it, then no, don't. It's okay. I'm sure they'll let you off. All right. Yes. But much of being municipality owes 200 million rand on their vehicles. Oh, okay. Jesus. Now, wow. I'm sorry, but that's quite a lot of vehicle yes. for a municipality and the fray start to owe. And so you kind of wonder, you know, we sit here arguing about macroeconomic trends and balance sheets and income statements, when in fact, the cause of our financial demise is comprised of numbers which have no foundation in logic, reason, or defense. You know, they are just yeah. made up numbers. I mean, how can you, first of all, incur that kind of car expense? And second of all, how can you just let it run up to a 200 million debt and you have billions owed by mature municipalities we have lost any ability to count. Am I exaggerating? No, it's just shocking. We'd be fine if we didn't have all this leakage. It's not much fun. Anyway, as we've always said, this is a fun show. It's fun to listen to, and it inspires people. <laughs> yes. So can you say something nice to please me? <laughs> well, I have to say that... Oh, no, I have got something. I have got something really nice to say. I don't know whether you follow marathons, but the Berlin Marathon was really just absolutely extraordinary. I'm going to pronounce all of these names incorrectly, but I think you pronounce it Chip Chogge. He's the Kenyan runner. He was... Uh, yeah, the, the world's leading marathon runner, yeah. He was uh, on track to break the world record, which he basically has. Yeah. And I don't know whether you remember, he ran this sub-two-hour marathon, which didn't count because they used a, this sort of strange technique of, of keeping pace. But anyway, he has now run eight or I think it's seven of the 10 fastest marathons ever run. And he ran half of the race on his own. He was basically sprinting the entire, the entire Berlin Marathon. But that wasn't even the biggest news of the marathon. I'm going to really pronounce this name wrong. It's Tigist Asefa. She's Ethiopian. She smashed the women's marathon world record by two minutes. By two minutes. That's a lot, eh? Just amazing. I'm just so inspired. I could not walk a marathon never mind run it. <laughs> so it's very inspiring to me that, that other people are doing so well. Yeah, I've done quite a few marathons in my youth, but yeah, not anymore. <laughs> not yes, anymore yes, at yes, all. Yes. Anyways, all right. Cool, man. Cheers, mate. Next time.
This show is part of the Africa Podcast Network. For the biggest pod network on the continent. For sales inquiries, please contact us at info at africapodcastnetwork.com.